During the course of this year from this pulpit, I am asking us occasionally through the year to look at the Ten Commandments of God with an eye toward coming to understand that the Ten Commandments were not simply delivered for back there and then, but they are meant for us as well. Today, we come to commandment number seven. Pray with me, please. Give me Jesus, Lord. Give me Jesus. You can have all the rest. Just give me Jesus. Amen. Today I wish to speak to you on the subject of marriage. Now I want to confess right here at the beginning that I am rather hesitant to do this because I am very much aware of the fact that there are those here who are single or widowed or divorced. And I never want to appear in any way insensitive to the values or the difficulties of singleness. And certainly I am always aware of the fact that Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, was single. However, my study of the Scriptures makes it abundantly clear that while all marriages are not made in heaven, marriage itself was made in heaven. And therefore, I am constrained by the maker of marriage to address the subject today. And I want to frame our discussion in the terms of God's seventh commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. The great Louis Smeads once said, Marriage is what the seventh commandment is all about. Adultery is simply what it forbids. Building on that little slice of truth, I would like to draw three thoughts for you. The first thought is this. Marriage made by God is a many-splendored thing. The fact of the matter is, you don't have to be a sociologist, psychologist, philosopher, or theologian to understand and appreciate both the beauty and the sanctity of marriage. The fact of the matter is, there has never been a society in all of history which has not taught that when a man and a woman blend their lives together completely in marriage, there is a special splendor to that. Furthermore, it is no accident that the Bible actually describes the relationship between God and His people as a marriage. And in this marital relationship between God and His people, God is always faithful. Even when His bride, His people, sin against Him, still God remains 
absolutely faithful. And therefore, the biblical Christian understanding is this. Faithfulness is the essence of marriage. In fact, if there is a motto uh, to support and encourage uh, the many splendored thing which marriage is as God has created it, I think that motto would be semper fidelis, always faithful. That's right. The motto of the Marines is also the motto of marriage. I have to tell you, you know how Marines love to get a bumper sticker that says, Simplify, and they stick that bumper sticker on their cars. I want to tell you something. If I had my own way, I'd get a whole bunch of those bumper stickers, and I would come to your house, and I wouldn't stick that bumper sticker on your car. I'd stick it on the headboard of your bed. Simplify always faithful. I'll never forget a young man who came to see me. He was in obvious distress. He proceeded to tell me that not long after he was married, he informed his wife that the two of them ought to be free to pursue any other physical relationships that came their way. And in his marriage up to that point, he had done precisely that. But he was now in terrible distress. Why? Because he was fearful that his wife was now engaged in a physical relationship with someone else. I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, I don't understand it. I was the one who insisted on sexual freedom, and now I can't live with it. I must really love her. Whoo! Yes! Absolutely! You see, when love entered the picture, when he began to care about his wife, rather than to regard her as simply an object or a plaything, promiscuity went out the window. Now, faithfulness was very important. Dear friends, this is what is true. This is not a lie. This is what is true. Adultery can never know the joy and freedom of fidelity. Adultery is done in secret. It is done in risk. It is always in danger of being found out. And therefore, adultery does not produce joy and fulfillment it produces guilt and anxiety. Fascinating psychological study done just a few years ago now with a whole group of people who termed themselves sexual swingers. The results of that study are fascinating. In every single individual, in every one, without exception, deep feelings of guilt and anxiety were unearthed. God said, do not commit adultery. God meant what he said, and he said what he meant. And therefore, if indeed there is a motto 
to make marriage the many splendored thing God intends for it to be, that motto would be Semper Fidelis. Always, always faithful. And that leads me to the second thought. Marriage, as it is lived by many in our time, has become a many splintered thing. I don't know if you remember, but there was a movie several years back called Casual Sex. How absurd. That's an oxymoron. There is no such thing as casual sex. Sex always involves another person. And once another person is involved, it is no longer casual because that other person is a person whom God has made. And there is nothing casual about that. Sigmund Freud was wrong about virtually everything he taught except one thing. He was right about this. Our sexual behavior affects every dimension of our human experience. When we violate God's commandment for our relationships, then all of the fear and the guilt and the anxiety created by that begins to burst through the trap door of our lives and it begins to haunt us. And when we are haunted, we start to spook the society around us. History has proved beyond any shadow of a doubt that when the sexual lives and practices of people are reduced to the level of casual, meaningless, impure, immoral, inevitably, that society has crumbled. Here is the Christian ideal. Sexual relationships are reserved for marriage between a man and a woman. That is why God says, do not commit adultery. Now understand, please, that we as Christians are not simply to denounce the wrong of what is happening out there in the world. We are also to proclaim fervently God's ideal. We are not simply to condemn the way some people are walking through life. Instead, we are to declare that there is a better way to walk. Sexual loving, as God intended, is to be between a man and a woman within the context of a lifetime commitment in marriage. Any other sexual loving is out of bounds and off limits. Not because sex is so bad, but instead because it is so holy. God gave it to us as a gift, and it is meant for a special purpose. It never was and never has been intended for casual indulgence. That is why Paul says so forcefully, it is God's will, hear that, it is God's will that you should avoid sexual immorality and that you should control your own body 
in a way that is holy and honorable. That Christian ideal must be forthrightly, forcefully, fervently proclaimed. And that, dear friends, is precisely what I am trying to do now in your hearing. And that leads me then to my third thought. The way to restore the splendor of marriage is to obey the commandment of the maker of marriage. God said, do not commit adultery. Jesus actually took the commandment and went a step further. He said, if anyone looks at another lustfully, that person has already committed adultery in the heart. Now, I want you to understand what Jesus meant when he said that. Jesus was not saying that our being attracted to other people is a sin. That's not what he's saying at all. I mean, remember, God made us attractive to one another. That makes no sense then that he would go on to say, but you are not to pay attention to one another. No, you see, Jesus here is not talking about being attracted. He's talking about being captured. Jesus is reminding us that temptation in itself is not a sin. Yielding to that temptation is a sin. And so, that is a part of what Jesus meant when he said, if you look at another person lustfully, you've already committed adultery in the heart. In other words, when our physical desires possess us rather than our possessing them, when they control us rather than our controlling them, Jesus says that is wrong. And therefore, please permit me now to offer to you four very practical suggestions in order to help us control our physical desires and thus maintain God's ideal in our lives. Suggestion number one, beware of vulnerable times. Remember, please, temptation in itself is not a sin. Yielding to that temptation is the sin. Jesus was tempted. Jesus was single. It may shock you to think about this, but Jesus was tempted sexually. I know that's true. Why? Because Hebrews 4 says, we have a Christ who was tempted in every respect just as we are, but without sin. You see, there is no temptation that you or I face in our lives which Jesus has not already faced in his. The difference is Jesus never yielded to those temptations. Paul, at this point in his life, was single. Paul was tempted. That's why he says so forcefully, avoid sexual immorality. Control your own body. We need to remember that there are times in life when our physical desires are running at the flood. And in those times, we are particularly vulnerable to temptation. And therefore, in those times, we need to be especially on our guard. Suggestion number one, beware 
of vulnerable times. Suggestion number two, choose the right friends. Choose friends who share your own Christian understandings of the role of sex and marriage in the human experience. Now understand, that does not mean that you can't have some non-Christian friends along the way. But what it does mean is that the deepest friendships in your life are always going to be with people who share your faith and your values. Because what I want you to see is that if you spend a lot of time around friends who regard no commitment sex as no big deal, who think divorce is harmless, who see a faithful lifetime commitment as not being very important, if you are around friends like that for a long time, I promise you, you are going to catch those values just as you would catch a cold. Suggestion number two, choose the right friends. Suggestion number three, behave sensibly toward those of the opposite sex. Here's what I want you to see. Appearance is everything. When you take care of how things look, then you take care of how things are. One of the secrets of Dr. Billy Graham's great success as an ambassador for Christ in this world of ours is the fact that early in his ministry, he made some hard, fast commitments to those to whom he is accountable. One of those commitments is that he would never, ever find himself in a situation where he was alone with a woman other than his wife, Ruth. And he will tell you today that in all of the years of his ministry, he has never once so much as shared a meal with another woman alone. I love what Jerry Jenkins has to say. Jerry Jenkins says, Two's company, three's security. Two's company, three's security. If in your life you find it necessary to have a, a meeting, a meal, or even a business trip uh, with a person of the opposite sex, regardless of the cost or the inconvenience, take along a third person. Two's company... Three's security. When you take care of how things look, then you take care of how things are. Behave sensibly. Suggestion number three. Suggestion number four. Reject improper invitations or advances. If someone invites or encourages you to do something you know is wrong, then let me tell you something. That is not a compliment to you. It is instead an attack. It's an attack upon God, upon faith, upon our nation, our society, and upon us. And like any other attack, it needs to be repulsed. The only answer is just say no. You remember Joseph in the Old Testament he encountered a woman who had immoral designs upon him. What did Joseph do? 
He ran out of the house. It cost him his job. It even cost him some time in jail. But he stayed right and true for the service of God. When anyone encourages you to do something that is wrong, reject it. Run away from it. Don't look back. Run. That's not the chicken's way out. That's the Christian's way out. Suggestion number four, reject improper invitations. Well, I'm not calling us here to be perfect. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm not perfect. None of us are. I'm calling us, though, imperfect though we are, to be striving to be consistently obedient to God's seventh commandment. Do not commit adultery. And I'm calling us to be constantly striving to live up to God's ideal for the way we are to live and the way we are to love. Let me finish with this. Back in the early 1800s, the famous explorers, Lewis and Clark, set out on a journey intended to cross the great Rocky Mountains, to reach the Pacific Ocean, and thus to open up the westward part of this country. On that journey, they took with them a French guide. His name was Toussaint Charbonneau. And Charbonneau brought along his Indian wife, her name was Sacagawea. Now, life on that long expedition was tough, demanding, lonely, and incredibly stressful. Charbonneau, who wasn't much of a man, actually each night would offer his wife, Sacagawea, to the other explorers for a price. Every single night, Lewis and Clark refused. There came a point in time where the expedition needed additional horses and supplies if they were going to make it to the Pacific Ocean. They approached the chief of a nearby Indian tribe. The chief immediately replied in broken English, No help, white man. White man cheat and lie. At that point, Sacagawea stepped forward and addressed the chief, saying, These men are different. They keep their promises even to their wives back home. And she then proceeded to describe to the chief what happened every night around the campfire. And how Lewis and Clark always refused to do what was wrong. And so the chief relented, and he gave them the supplies they needed. And ultimately, they made it to the Pacific Ocean, and they opened up the West in this great country. The mammoth nature of their achievement, however, was built upon the depth and the conviction of their sense of morality. 
Here's what I want you to understand. It is people with that kind of commitment to God and that kind of commitment to goodness who have made this nation great. Now, in a time where it seems that anything goes and when moral standards, it seems, are all but gone, in a time like this, we need women and men with that kind of commitment to God and that kind of commitment to goodness in order to keep this nation great. I long for other people around us to be able to point at us and say, these people are different. They keep their promises with the Lord and with each other. May it be so for you and for me. So help us, God. Pray with me, please. Almighty and most gracious God, hear my prayer. Enable us to stand strong and to stay true to your seventh command. Simper for daily, always. Through Jesus Christ, amen.